Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you're listening today, this is uploaded. It is episode number 1,179. Right next to me is... Hi, I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And the hero of this story is right next to me. Hello, Kimmy. How are you on this very early, and I mean it is very early, Friday morning before sunrise? Great. <laughs> are you happy it's Friday? I'm happy it's Friday. Kimmy, you made it to Friday. Isn't that great? Yeah. And you're one week away in one day from some fun happening, nerd fun, uh, over in the Space Coast area of Florida as the Riley and Kimmy Show takes it to the streets. <laughs> That's right. Join us coming up on Saturday, starting at 3 o'clock at Vieira Comics in Melbourne, Florida. Our good friend George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost, will be at Vieira Comics starting at 3. If you untie me, I will. Hi, kids. Space Ghost here. You're listening to Riley and Kimmy on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Uh, can, can you just loosen the hands up a little? For, oh, that is heaven. Yeah, big thank you to Peter Pappas, the owner of Vieira Comics, for bringing in George Lowe for a signing. George will be there starting at 3 in the afternoon until 7 o'clock. You know, you might be able to watch cartoons with George. I know he likes to do that. Did you know that, Kimmy? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he likes watching cartoons, and, and you can talk about cartoons and cartoon voices and voiceovers and, uh, you know, uh, people who did announcing for game shows. He loves those kind of things. And he will sign whatever you want to bring there to have signed. Maybe you want yourself signed. He'll do that if you want to get a, maybe a tattoo or something. Uh, you bring that, maybe your pop vinyls, your Space Ghost pop vinyls, uh, maybe your Space Ghost comic books, whatever it might be. George will sign. And matter of fact, I believe he's also doing some maybe some uh, limited voice work, too, uh, where he'll record something maybe for your phone. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. That's at Vieira Comics. Check them out. By the way, if you're into maybe some classic comic books, Peter has a wide variety of key issues, as they're called. You can check those out, too. And you know what? Peter loves to talk about cosplay. Now, I don't know if Peter's going to cosplay a space ghost, but he loves to cosplay like the Punisher and Captain America and so many other things. Talk to him about that, and also that that really bad dude from Walking Dead. He likes to do that one too, Kimmy. Oh yeah, 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 that Megan. Re- yeah, that real bad guy. Yeah. That I guess they were making fun of, or at least reference to on the latest episode of Supernatural. Oh. There is a reference on the last episode this week's, which just happened the other night, last night, to Megan. Mm. Yes. Well, it's the same actor that plays on. Well, that was their father. Played on their show, yeah. His mm-hmm. bat is in one of the scenes. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. In one of the scenes with Sammy. I'm two or three episodes behind on that show. 
Well, you better catch up, Kimmy. We have them on the DVR for you. All right. So you could talk to you know Peter about that and so many other things. That is Vieira Comics happening Saturday, March 18th, over in the Space Coast area, very close to Orlando. Easy to get to if you're on I-95. I mean, if you're down in West Palm, just head straight north or maybe all the way up to Daytona or even Jacksonville. Just head south. Very easy to get to because Vieira Comics is right off of I-95 and GPS will not cheat you, won't take you to the wrong place. It will get you right to Peter's front door. And a big thank you to Peter for bringing in George Lowe and inviting the Riley and Kimmy show to this big fun event with George Lowe. That is Saturday, March 18th. You get all tingly down below when you listen to the Riley and Kimmy show. And talking about superheroes, we just mentioned Space Ghost. Another superhero will be over in the Space Ghost area. That's coming up on Sunday, March 19th at the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con. It gives us great pleasure to talk about Tug, the superhero dog, and Tug's dad, Blake, the artist for the Tug comic book. Blake Ovard contacted us just before sitting down for this episode of 1,179 and wanted me to pass this word out to everybody. He will be bringing original art pages from Tug's comic books. The first three issues, those will be available. Those are one of a kind. Also, he will be sketching too. Mm. Tug's dad will be sketching. All right. So come out and meet Tug. Tug's father, that's Blake Ovard, and Kim Joy, she is uh, Tug's mom and also the writer of the Tug comic books. Tug will be at the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con. He would woof to meet you. I know he would. And by the way, Tug has an exceptional story. He's an inspiration for all. He works with anti-bullying, he works with dementia awareness, and he works with animal rescues. You can get the Tug story, if you will. We interviewed Blake Ovard, Tug's dad, not that long ago. We interviewed him, have that video interview available right on our website. You can find that in the video section by going to RileyandKimmy.com. And also, if you, you really just, you know, dig for a while, it's on our Facebook page, too. And there's links to that, by the way, right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. We can't wait for the Melbourne Toy and Comic-Con, can we, Kimmy? No. I mean, besides the fact there will be some great collectibles there uh, and also some fantastic art available, Tug's there. Yeah. The the superhero dog, and by the way, representatives from the Brevard Humane Society will be there as well, too. They, they might be able to connect you with a fur friend. Mm-hmm. So this there's a lot of things for all ages. There's gaming going on, being hosted by Famous Faces and Funnies, and cosplay, including cosplay panels, being hosted by Vieira Comics and Peter Pappas. Uh, he'll be doing the cosplay contest, and he I think he has a couple of cosplay panels, at least, talking about, you know, do's, don'ts, and tips and things like that Hmm. so there's something for everybody it's family friendly tell all your friends about this affordable comic con and it definitely is a comic con it does have comic books there i guarantee that pop culture playground will be set up tom raup will be there as well he is the co-promoter of the melbourne toy and comic con he wouldn't miss that, would he, Kimmy? Mm -mm. You know, being co-promoter, he can't miss it, right? Right. He'll be there with a ton of comic books as well and collectibles. Please tell your friends about this fun nerd event. We would love to see you. Big thank you going out to Tom Raup and Mike Priest, the promoters of the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con for bringing in Tug and also for inviting us, the Riley and Kimmy Show, to this fun, big nerd event. Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Friday. Are you able, are you willing, do you want to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia? Yeah. (laughs) 
It is a March 10th, a Friday. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions here from the Nerd Timeline. The timeline has been adjusted, Kimmy. It's been moved around. It's been shaken up. Shaken, not stirred. And the answers are all over the place. It's not a chronological timeline now. Not linear at all. Feel free to help out, Kimmy. You you in the future are future listeners because, you know, to us, when you're listening to this, we'll be in the past, unfortunately. But we're with you in the future, too. You can yell out those answers. We believe in time-traveling answers. Yell at your smartphone, your your tablet, your desktop, your laptop, whatever computing device you listen to The Riley and Kimmy Show on because we are mobile, we are global. We're heard all over planet Earth. Be sure to take us everywhere, and you can hear archived episodes. Also check out video interviews, all available, and nerd news. By the way, nerd news, Kimmy, you can find it at RileyandKimmy.com. We have what it's like to poop in space as one of our nerd stories. Nice. Y- yes, and some of the some of the difficulties of pooping in space. You can find that on Nerd News. And what you do when the vacuum system does not work with pooping in space. There's a backup poop plan. We have that. That's a Nerd News section. You find that at RileyandKimmy.com. See what kind of fun you can find? Yeah, that's what we have all the time. It's a Friday, March 10th. Here we go, Kimmy. Baseball is the very first question for you. Something from the sporting world. It was on this date in history. The Brooklyn Dodgers announced that their players would begin wearing batting helmets during this season what year did they start wearing batting helmets was it 1931 1941 1951 or 1961? Tenth album, that's Prince. Prince's tenth album was released. It was titled Love Sexy. Now, some stores refused to sell the album due to the nude portrait that was on the cover. What year within two did this happen? 1992? It was 1988. Okay. That there were people claiming, shame on you. It was on this date in history, Kimmy. Somebody said the following words that would be recorded in history... And would be identified with this person forever. This is an inventor who said this. The quote, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, the quote is, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Mm-hmm. Who said that? He said it Alexander in 18... 18- Alexander Graham Bell. He said it 1876 on this date in history because that's, well, the first successful telephone call. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's no recording of that, although the Smithsonian Institute does have... His voice recorded. It was recorded on wax recordings. Now there was no way to play him back, and they've used a laser to actually listen to those, and you can hear his voice. Those are available. You can find those and hear that. Uh, of course, it's crude recording, but it, you get his voice. It's really interesting mm-hmm. to hear that. So on this date in history, something else happening, Kimmy, as we move down the timeline. So on this date, in 1924, the United States Supreme Court made a ruling. They upheld a New York state law forbidding late night work for women. So that means you have to leave. Go. Here. Get out of the studio. Move. <laughs> Got to go. It's done. Can't can't be here. Move. Okay. Now, I wonder what they determined with late night. Yeah. I mean, four in the morning, is that late night or is that considered morning? Hmm. 1933 saw Nevada becoming the first state to regulate drugs, and you kind of get some references to that 
the change in America with the untouchables. They start talking about really drugs and things like that uh, impacting America in the 30s on the untouchables as they move away from the booze and things like that. It was on this date in history, 1956. Julie Andrews, at the age of 23, made her TV debut in High Tour with Bing Crosby and Nancy Olson. It's on this date, 1959, Sweet Bird of Youth, a play by Tennessee Williams, opened in New York City. It was on this date, 1964, the first version of this song was recorded at Columbia Studios in New York City by this group, this duo. They would record it again shortly after this. Tell me who this is, Kimmy. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision Okay, Kimmy, tell me the name of the duo. Simon and Garfunkel. And the name of that hit song. Sounds of Silence. That's right. Do you have that on your vinyl, MP3, CD, something? No. Really? All right. It was on his date, 1965. Art Carney opened in this play that would eventually become a hit movie and then eventually become a hit on television. Tell me what the name of the play and when you movie and etc. what it would become known as. Here is your audio clue. That is the original score from the film. That would be adapted for the television series. Can you identify the name of the play? The Odd Couple. Now, that is correct. Now, Felix Unger was originally played by Art Carney. Art Carney had a partner on stage who played Oscar, who would eventually play it in the movie. Kimmy, identify who Oscar was played by. Yes, I see it. The irony is that unless we come to some other arrangement, I'm going to kill you. That's the irony of it. Something wrong with this system. That's what's wrong. I don't think that two single men living alone in a big eight-room apartment should have a cleaner house than my mother. Who is the person who played Oscar? Walter Matthau. That's right. Now, have you seen the the movie, the original, the what the you know TV show is based on, with Walter Matthau and somebody else who played Felix? Jack Lemmon? Yeah. Have you seen that? Um... I've seen grumpier old men. Oh, but you never seen the original. You got to see this one, especially the scene with F U. Oh yeah. The F. I don't. I don't. You don't remember don't the F U scene? Be, uh, the, I I know what that is. Yeah. You, you know the F U <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, yeah F U. I love that movie, mm. and I mean it, it's 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 special. And mm-hmm. we'll have to watch that on Classic Movie Night, I think. Yeah. Put that there. It's Walter Matthau, Art Carney, on this date, 1965, starred or did the opening of The Odd Couple. It was on this date, 1971, the United States government approved an amendment to lower the voting age to what? Kimmy, what age did they lower the voting age to in 1971? 18. That's right. Should they have done that? I don't know. Okay, Kimmy won't take a side there. 1977, astronomers discovered the rings of Uranus. That happened in 1977. 1981, the U.S. Postal Service announced an increase in first-class postage from 15 cents to a whopping 18 cents. Was there an outcry? I wonder. Hmm. Do you think there was? 
Probably. Yeah, it probably was. It was on this date in 1986. The Wrigley Company of Chicago raised the price of its seven-stick pack of Wrigley's chewing gum, Kimmy. They raised it to what price? 1986. It's just like, hey, this is just like Price is Right. 1986. How much did that chewing gum that you went and, well, you couldn't have. You are really little. 1986. How much did it cost to get that chewing gum? 75 cents. 30 cents. So he raised it from a quarter to 30 cents. Oh. It was on his day, 1992. Prince received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Soul Train Awards. On this date, 2006, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter arrives at Mars. See, I didn't ask you what planet. Celebrity birthdays. Notables on this date in history having birthdays. See if you can identify this person having a birthday. Now, Kimmy, tell me who it is. Are, are you ready for your clue? Mm-hmm. Here is your audio clue. Is that birthday person, Kimmy? Carrie Underwood. Now, that song right there, Before He Cheats, was it a number one hit or not from 2006? I would say yes. No, not pop charts. It was country, but not pop charts. Oh, well, you didn't specify. Well, so okay. Right. Okay, Kimmy, give me the very first pop chart song that was number one for her. Mm. The very first one. Pop, not country. Can't do it. This one. You're all I've got. Inside your heaven, number one from 2005. What season, Kimmy, did she win American Idol? What number season was it? I don't even know that song that was her number one hit was actually i think they actually had it on american idol actually too what was the season that she walked away with it on american idol 2000 uh, give me the the numbers oh season one two three four five six seven eight nine ten um or if you want to do year we can do year go ahead the year's fine season three Season 4, 2005 is when she won. How old is she today within 5? Um, 32. She's 34 today. Next person, an actress who played in this movie. Identify the movie, Kimmy. Here is your audio clue. Can you do it? Basic Instinct. Okay, say that again, please. Basic Instinct. That's correct. Now, tell me who the actress is. I've always had a fondness for white silk scarves. They're good for all occasions. No, I said I like Johnny to use his hands. I don't make any rules, Nick. I go with the flow. Who is the actress? Sharon Stone. That is correct. Can you tell me, bonus points, the name of her character, at least the first name from that movie? Um. Bonus points. Her name in that movie. Yes, they use it a lot. Yeah, come on. Hmm. Can you do it? No. Catherine Trammell was her ah. name. And can you? what was her nickname for her love interest? Don't know. Shooter, because that was part of the, the book she was working on. Okay. Who played her love interest? Michael Douglas. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and now how old is Sharon Stone today? Within uh, five. 
She's 59. Good job, Kimmy. Next person having a birthday. An American martial artist, an actor. He played and starred in a role in a TV series for a, well, a long time, from 1993 to 2001. See if you can tell me who that actor is. Here is the TV theme. In the eyes of a ranger, the unsuspecting stranger had better know the truth of wrong from right. Cause the eyes of the ranger are upon you. Any wrong you do, he's gonna see. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Cause that's where the ranger's gonna be. And that is him singing there, Kenny. I was going to ask you. Yes, that is him singing there. now. If that was him. Yeah, that is him. Now, tell me who him is. Who is he, Kimmy? Well, it's Texas Ranger is the show. Well, that's part of the name. It's Walker, Texas Ranger. That's the correct title. Tell me who played the star of Walker, Texas Ranger. His name is escaping Oh, Kimmy, he was everywhere on TV at a period of time. I know. Did a lot of films, too. Yeah, I know. Actually acted with Bruce Lee in one movie. Can you tell me who it is? Come on, you can do it, can't you? Mm Mm-mm. It's Chuck Norris. Chuck Chuck Norris Norris is having a birthday today. How old is he within five? 60. Chuck Norris is 77 today. Boy, I wish somebody bring him in. I bet bet he'd be fun. Don't Mm -hmm. you you think to talk to? Mm Mm-hmm. Next person is a recording artist, Kimmy. Had a big hit back in the 80s. Tell me who this recording artist is and how old they are today. Here's your clue. All right, Kimmy, tell me the name of that recording artist. I know you danced to that at least one, two, or three, or four times. Tell me who that is. Nina Cherry. That is exactly right. And the hit song? Buffalo Stance. Yeah, Buffalo Stance. Tell me what year that was a hit within two. 88. Exactly right. Did it hit number one on the pop charts, not the dance R&B, on the pop charts? Did it hit number one? I'd say no. It was close. Number three, it was a hit number one on the dance pop, I mean, on the dance R&B, but it was number three on the Hot 100, Billboard Hot 100. How old is Nina Cherry today within five? 49. She's 53 today. Actress, Shannon Tweed. I bet you have no clue who she is, right? Hmm. Mm-mm. Married to Gene Simmons of Kiss. She is 60 today. She's one of the most successful actresses of mainstream erotica. Oh. And she's been in some mainstream television shows, too. She was in Cagney and Lacey, 21 Jump Street episodes, also Baywatch episodes, Married with Children, Frasier, and Murder, she wrote back in 1995. I, I just can't see her and, you know, what's her name? Murder, she wrote together, but uh, she was. Next person, an actress having a birthday. Known for playing one of the lead characters, starring role 
on this TV show. This should be easy for you. Identify the TV show if you can. It was a very popular program from 1987 to Kimmy, can I tell me the name of that TV show? I have a feeling, can you? Different World? That's close. A Different World. Uh, do you know who sung that by chance? Aretha Franklin. Yes, Aretha sang the season two through season five version of the show. This is one of the kind of shows that actually had three different versions of its theme song. The last or the final seasons was uh, Boys to Men mm. that they had. And this was an actress star of the show and since you've probably never seen the show jasmine guy having a birthday today she is 55 now can she played uh, by the way whitley on the show can you tell me what the spinoff what it was a spinoff of a different world oh whitley yeah she played uh she played oh oh uh what was it prince spin- of bel-air no 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 it was a spinoff of the cosby show it was for lisa bonet originally to oh. uh, star in she did like season one and then they re- totally retooled season two on. Oh, okay. did it. You, you never seen that show? Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? Okay, give me this next person, an American singer-songwriter having a birthday. Tell me who this is. What I am is what I am, you what you are. Who is that, Kimmy? Uh, Susie and the Banshees. No, it is not. No? That's Edie Brickell. Edie Brickell. Yes, how old is she today? Within five. 58. She's 51 today, and by the way, that song from 1988, What I Am, was number seven at its highest on Billboard Hot 100. I have a feeling that's not it. Not on your MP3. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I have a feeling that wasn't even a favorite of yours, was it? No. Yeah. Okay. Robin Thicke having a birthday today. You probably don't know who that is, do you? Mm-hmm. You do know who Robin Thicke is. Yeah. You know who he is. Yeah. You know exactly who he is. Yeah. Singer. Mm-hmm. His dad was famous. Yep. How old is he? Within five. Went through a nasty divorce. 42. He is 40 today. You surprised me there, Kimmy. See if you can identify who this actress is. An American actress and model. She is well known for her role as number 13 on House. And she also starred in the movie Tron Legacy in 2010. Love interest in that. And Cowboys and Aliens 2011. She's done other things too. Tell me who she is. Olivia something. Yeah, that's something. Can't do it? Uh-uh. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Real name is Cockburn. She changed it. 
Mm. Livia Cockburn is what she was born as, but she changed the name to Olivia. Yeah, I think that's a I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Can you imagine that with the trailers? See Olivia Cockburn tonight. <laughs> I think it's got. I think it's got pull. I think it does. Somebody go. I. I really do. Okay, Olivia Wilde having a birthday today. How old is Olivia Wilde? Poor kid. She took her name, by the way, Wilde, because of Oscar Wilde. She loved Oscar Wilde. Mm. So tell me, and she changed it when she was a teenager to Wilde legally. Okay. Tell me, Olivia Wilde, how old within five? 42. She's 33 today, Oops. Kimmy. Ooh, boy. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. Ray Milan passed away on this date, 1986. Died at the age of 79. His career ran from 1929 to 1985. He was at one time Paramount Pictures' highest paid actor. He co-starred along many of the most popular actresses of the time. This include Jean Tierney, Grace Kelly, Lana Turner, Marlena Dietrich, also Ginger Rogers, Jane Wyman, Loretta Young, and Veronica Lake. So many films that he did. One movie stands out is The Thief. If you ever have a chance to see this, not many retro or nostalgia stations run this. I was fortunate to catch it a couple of times. I'm actually trying to find a good copy of it. It's The Thief, 1952, an American film noir crime film. Now, why this is so unique is the film is unusual because there is no principal actor dialogue spoken. There's none. But if there's sound, it's not a silent film. Just nobody has any dialogue going on. And it's about a spy, and Ray Milland plays the spy. And another one that stands out, I don't know if Kimmy's ever seen it, it's Ray Milland in The Man with the X-Ray Eyes from 1963. August 14th. Notes on experiment. Designated X. Experimental subject, myself, James Xavier. X, the most fantastic experiment you have ever taken part in, presents Ray Milland in his most challenging role since his Academy Award winning Lost Weekend. X. The man with the X-ray eyes. Are you all right? It's like a splitting of the world. More light than I've ever seen. Filled with light. X, the man with the X-ray eyes, tries to help the most desperate in our society and enjoys all the delights of secretly studying sexology. Headache? No, it's just my eyes. A doctor with a power to see what others cannot believe. He can overcome the unknown, save lives, and invade the glamour gambling casinos of Las Vegas and defy the goddess of chance. Don't draw. Don't draw. Next card's a face card. Now, Kimmy, have you ever seen X, the man with the X-ray eyes? I don't think I've ever... I've never seen the whole movie. I may have seen a clip. Directed by Roger Corman. I love this thing. Uh, when I was a little kid, they ran on one of the creature features around in the area where I grew up. And because of it, I sent away for the X-ray glasses in the comic book. You know, got, got the X-ray... It didn't work, Kimmy. Those mm. X-ray... It, it did not work, but that movie inspired me to get those. I'll, I'll never forget that. But yeah, yeah, he he can see through clothes and things. They they they're tactful because of the time period. It's it's really a cool movie. I hope Svengoolie or somebody will run that 
you know, one of the uh, movies network or something will run that. I, I, I will record it for you unless, unless maybe I can find the DVD. That'd be great. Hmm. All right. That's Ray Milan who passed away on this date, 1986 at the age of 79. You can catch him on me TV. He plays in at least two episodes of Columbo. He's a murderer. Yeah. I, I will give you that much of a clue. And it's great seeing he and Peter Falk act opposite of each other. Next person passed away on this date in history. Kimmy, identify who it is. Uh, a musician. Yeah, I'll give you that much of a clue. Singer, here is your audio clue. Who is that, Kimmy? It's the Bee Gees. No. No? No. It's a singer, <laughs> somebody who passed away on this date in history. That was his number Andy one. Gibb. That's Andy Gibb. That was one of his number one hits right there. Oh. Love is Thicker Than Water from 1977, Kimmy. He passed away. Give me the year he died within five or his age within five, whichever one you choose. 78. He died 1988, died of inflammation of the heart. Following a long battle with cocaine addiction, which had weakened his heart. 1988, he passed away. Mm. Age 30. Next person passed away on this date, 1998. Died at the age of 85. He appeared in more than 150 feature films. Known for this TV show, Kimmy, that only ran for a few years in syndication, its original run, from 1958 to 1961, and then ran forever. Still runs somewhere. Matter of fact, I know somewhere... As we record this show, that's probably running it. I run it very early weekday mornings. You knew it on WGN Chicago. Here's your audio clue. identify that TV show, that mystery show this person starred in. Can you do it, Kimmy? I'll mm. give you a bonus clue if you need it. Mm -mm. Scuba diving. He was a scuba diver who went on adventures. Mm. Can you name it? He has famous sons who are actors. Mm. One of the sons... Lloyd son Bridges. Yes, that's right. Lloyd Bridges. What was the name of the show? Can you do it? Sea Hunt? Yeah, that's right. Sea Hunt. And by the way, I know you've probably never seen it. He starred... In the original Battlestar Galactica television series in a two-part episode, The Living Legend, where he played Commander Kane, I love his his portrayal in that. It's worth checking out. I, I, I'm not aware of anybody in our area running the original Battlestar Galactica at the moment, but it's something to check out. And was an, by the way, his role and his acting of it inspired the reboot to make sure they had Kane in that reboot as well. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job. Yes, we were all over the place with today's trivia, but you did a fantastic job. And what we're going to do right now is focus on something from trivia and honor someone with a golden age of radio. radio was music. 
again, that's O'Reilly and Kimmy Show. Going back in time right now to the golden age of radio, we're, we're going to focus on somebody, and that is Ray Milland. We talked about him. That was the guy with the x-ray eyes, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Well, he did a ton of old-time radio. I mean, a lot. And he didn't have to. That's just it, which is interesting. Some did to try to keep themselves active in front of the in front of the public, but he was doing a lot of films, and he still did radio at the same time. Hmm. And, and he did a lot. And... and various types, dramas, comedies, all kinds of things. He didn't just stay pigeonholed in like a suspense kind of film or, or radio role. He, he was all over the place. And we have a couple of different versions of his acting, if you will, in the golden age of radio. First one's called The Uninvited, which he did in a movie. The Uninvited was a movie role, or he was in Uninvited, but he did the radio versions, not audio lifted from the film. This is 1949. This is an excellent example of the golden age of radio. Definitely ear candy. And the next one is a comedy he did titled The Trouble with Women from 1949. Let's go back in time. Here's Ray Milland on The Riley and Kimmy Show. I woke up, five in the morning, my skin creeping, my scalp crawling. I listened. I heard the dim surge of the ocean at the foot of the Devonshire Cliffs, not far from my window. Only five o'clock. And then... I was sure now. I hadn't dreamed that appalling crying. Could it be my sister Pamela in the next bedroom? There was no electricity in this old house. I, I lit a candle. I went to the door leading into the upstairs hallway. Rick! What? Oh, oh, Pamela. You heard it too, then. What in heaven's name is it? I don't know. It comes from downstairs. It comes from everywhere and nowhere. I'm going down and search the place. It's no use, Rick. There's never anything there. You mean this has happened before? All the time you were still in London while I was getting the house ready for us to live in. Why didn't you call me or write me about it? It's our home now. It's all we've got to live in. It sounds so terribly heartbroken. But there, there must be some logical explanation. It'll stop soon now. It always dies away at dawn. No wonder we got the old place for such a low price. They tell me it stood empty for ten years before... Oh. Oh. Shutter blew open. It's the dawn breeze. I must have forgotten to latch up. Listen. I know. The sobbing is gone. Oh. Is that all for tonight? Is that all? It's every night, Rick. And if I don't get some sleep, I'll die. No, no, no. Don't do that. It'll be different tomorrow night. You'll see. Hello. Aren't you the gentleman who bought this house for my grandfather? Why, yes. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. I'm Stella Meredith. It was my mother's house. Well, come in, Stella Meredith. Thank you. I haven't been in this house since I was three. And I've wanted to come so many times. Then why didn't you? Oh, my, my grandfather forbids it. He has some silly idea that I'm in danger. Nonsense. You shall see the house, Stella Meredith, and I shall be your guide. <laughs> 
And this is my old nursery. Like it? Oh, how pretty your sister has made it. That's very pretty perfume you're wearing. It's mimosa. Do you like it? Oh, very much. My mother always used mimosa. She died when I was three years old. Oh. May I see the studio now where my father painted? Only it's the studio where I play the piano now. You may even persuade me to play something for you. Don't stop playing, please. Very flattering, thank you. Father painted my mother's picture in this very room. You don't remember that. No, but Mother would sit on this platform wearing her soft white dress. Sometimes, of course, he'd paint the other one. Other one? He had a model, you know, a Spanish girl. People seem to get awfully hush-hush when I try to ask about her, though. You play beautifully. It's a serenade to Stella by Starlight. You mean this Stella? Me? And this candlelight. Oh, it's the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. Is it? Y yes. What's the matter? All at once, a, a cold wind. Yes, suddenly it is cold in this room. And your music's gone so terribly sad. Why? I don't know. It just came out that way. And the candles grew dim. There's a drought. Oh, Mother was so young and beautiful, and she died so cruelly. Mother! Stella! Mother! Stella, Mother! Stella come back! Stella! gathered my scattered senses and jumped up and ran after her. I passed Pamela, standing amazed at the foot of the stairs. Rick, what's the matter? What's happened? There's something evil in that glass of cook. Stella! But she was out the front door, her dark hair flying, running wildly in the darkness, heading for the cliffs. Stella! I shouted after her. Stella, come back! Shouted again, pleading with her. No, Stella, no! The cliffs, I thought. Stella, the cliffs! The cliffs and the boiling sea beneath. Stella! Whatever sinister force had driven her out of the house was now driving her to destruction on those killing rocks. The brink was only yards away, a few steps. I reached for her and my fingers caught in her belt and I pulled her back. Back from the very edge of that awful precipice. Stella. What's the matter? Matter? You were going over the edge. Was I? Why did you do it, Stella? What drove you toward death? Death? Why, nothing. I, I didn't feel I was in any danger. Look below you. Oh, the sea. Yes. This is where my mother fell. Your mother fell here? By this dead tree. She, she... Are you all right? Help me. Stella. Will she be all right, Dr. Scott? She's resting nicely upstairs, Miss Pamela. Well, is Stella entirely safe up there alone? Why not? Well, in the light of what just happened. And you're the one who sneers when I say this house is haunted. Well, everybody in the village knows the house is peculiar. Well, can you tell us anything about it, Doctor? Do you know about Carmel? 
Carmel? The Spanish model Stella's father painted. Oh, yes. Stella's father was in love with Carmel. It was an open scandal. But didn't Mrs. Meredith know about it? Well, I suppose she just accepted the situation. Where's this Carmel now? She died in this very house a week after Mary Meredith fell to her death from the cliff out there. Oh, she did fall then. Ironically, she fell trying to save her rival from committing suicide. Or so they say. Rick, Dr. Scott, don't you notice a scent in the room? No. Yes, I do. Yes. It's heliotrope. No, it's mimosa. Stella's mother was fond of it. Stella tells me that... Pam, it's come back. What, Rick? Upstairs. Stella's not alone anymore. I know it. Come on. Stella. Stella, are you all right? She's gone. I'm here. Stella, darling. At the window. Now, don't be frightened. I'm not frightened. Don't you know who it is in your house? It's my mother. Your mother? Did you see her? No. But when I woke up, I... I felt her in the room. Her scent, the mimosa, it was all around. I could feel her warm presence everywhere. And I felt something else. Something I've never known in my whole life. The knowledge that someone loved me very dearly. You'd better take her home, Rick. No. No, Mother is here. She wants me with her. Your mother is dead, Stella. I know. But your grandfather will miss you. He'll be furious if he finds you here. I know, but I love it here. I'll always come back. Another time, Stella. Another time. again. Her grandfather was right. There was danger in this house for Stella. In the studio, when we'd first felt its presence, I'd not smelled Mimosa. But in that moment before dawn, with that awful sorrow in the house, I suddenly knew. I knew that there was a cold, cruel spirit which hated Stella, and a warm, scented spirit that loved her. There was not one ghost... You are listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of The Uninvited, starring Ray Milland in his original role of Rick Fitzgerald. Pamela, I know this. Stella Meredith is in danger in this house. She mustn't come here anymore. But she loves it, Rick. How can we possibly keep her away? By holding a seance. A seance? Only this seance will be rigged. We've got to fix it so that the ghost of Mary Meredith appears to say in effect, Stella, I'm your mother. Forget Windward House and I shall find peace and happiness. P.S. There is a tall, excruciatingly handsome man named Rick Fitzgerald who wants to marry you. It's wrong, Rick. I won't agree to deceiving Stella. We've got to break Stella of this attachment to the dead. We'll rig the sails. (laughs) 
That very night, we held the seance. We all sat around a table. Stella, Pam, Dr. Scott, and I. A single candle was burning. On the table, I chalked the alphabet in a big circle and the words, yes and no, opposite each other. An inverted wine glass stood in the center of the table. My stage was set. I think the room is dark enough to begin. The important thing is that we should all believe. Yes, yes, so I understand. Well, what now? Everybody puts a finger on the glass. Now, ask a question, Stella. Is there anybody here? Is anybody... The glass is moving. Yes. The glass is on, yes. Go on, Stella. Are you my mother? Yes. You don't want me to go away from Winwood House, do you, Mother? They want me to stay away. Do you? Rick, let go. You're keeping the glass from moving. I'm not. Let go, I say. Better let matters take their course, Miss Gerald. All right. No. You see? She said no. She doesn't want me to stay away. Look, look, the glass is moving. I. G. U. A. Guard. I guard. Guard me from what, Father? What? C. A. R. M. Carmel. That's enough. Who smashed the glass against the wall? You, Pamela? No one, Rick. No one was touching it. Stella. Stella. Stella's in a trance. Stella. Don't touch her. It may be dangerous. May I ask a question? No. It might help to try to reach her mind. Yes, try it. Whoever you are. Are you Mary Meredith, Stella's mother? This is awful. I won't ask her anything else. Is that Spanish, Scott? I, uh, I don't know. Ladrona, mi cariño. Stella. She's fainted. I'm afraid this has all been a dreadful mistake. Oh, it was wrong. But she'll never be cured until this house is cured. Until then, Stella must never come here again. I won't answer it. I'll answer it. I'll go. Stella's grandfather in a cold, bitter fury over her presence there and her condition. An outrage, you hear? An outrage. I'm very sorry, sir. It won't happen again. I warrant you it won't. My granddaughter will never enter this house again if I have to lock her up somewhere. Come, Stella. Stella was gone, but my work had just begun. I had to avert a tragedy. I had to solve the mystery of Windward House, but, but where to start? I went to see Dr. Scott. Any luck, Fitzgerald? Find anyone with a clue to what really happened here 17 years ago? No. Everyone who was here with the Merediths then seems to be dead. A trained nurse, isn't it? Trained nurse? I've been looking through the old case book of my predecessor, Dr. Rudd. Oh? 
At the time of the tragedy, the Merediths employed a nurse for their child, a certain Miss Holloway. Holloway? Very, very much attached to Mary Meredith. Well, is she alive? How can we find her? She runs a place on Bodwin Moor called the Mary Meredith Retreat in honor of her long dead mistress. Hospital? No, no, a mental institution. <laughs> Strange woman. Strange place. Bodwin Moor. I think I'd better have a serious talk with Miss Holloway. I shall be happy, Mr. Fitzgerald, to assist in any way I can concerning these manifestations at Windward House. Well, to begin with, Miss Holloway, I know about the Meredith, uh, Mary Meredith Carmel Triangle 17 years ago. Yes, it was the delight of the local gossips. What were Mary and Carmel like? Extraordinary women, both of them. But Mary Meredith, she was a goddess. Even her talk was lovely and sparkling. Oh, the night we sat before her fireplace, planning our lives. Yes. She met her humiliation and her fate magnificently. Uh, About Carmel. A Spanish gypsy. Beautiful and crafty and cruel. Why did Mrs. Meredith stand for the situation? She felt the decision to end it must come from her husband. Did it? Finally. To make it easier for Carmel, they took her to Paris. Found a position for her and left her there. Then they came back here with their infant daughter. For a while, they were almost happy together. Then? Carmel came back. She still wanted Mary's husband. Then one stormy night, Carmel had been told that she must leave. This time for good. Oh, there was a ghastly scene. And finally, Carmel, in a rage for revenge, ran to the child's room and snatched her up and ran toward the cliff. Mary raced after her. In the struggle, Mary fell to the rocks below. The baby was unharmed. What happened to Carmel? She escaped in the storm. Next morning, she crawled back in the early stages of pneumonia. I had to nurse her. I see. And now, please... I must be alone. Please. What you tell me about Miss Holloway is very interesting, Fitzgerald. A fanatical, a dedicated woman, Doctor. Uh, Dr. Rudd, before me, disliked her intensely. Professionally? Personally? Listen to this entry from Dr. Rudd's casebook for December 10th, 1932. Called to Windward House, Meredith's model, Carmel Quesada, double pneumonia. That tallies with what Miss Holloway told me. December 12th, Carmel Quesada, much worse. No attempt to warm her room. Found traces of snow in her bedroom. Snow? Spoke severely to Nurse Holloway. Absolutely criminal negligence. Well, isn't that a pretty serious charge, Doctor? When a man of Dr. Rudd's generation used it, It was very apt to mean murder. Miss Holloway murdered Carmel? She was very fond of Mary Meredith. Perhaps that's why Stella's grandfather sent her to Miss Holloway's for safekeeping this afternoon. You mean... You mean Stella's there now? In that genteel madhouse? Well, I venture she's safe with her mother's dearest friend. Who was also guilty of criminal negligence? Oh, no. Dr. Scott, I must hurry. Be good enough to call my sister Pamela at Windward House. Say I'll pick her up in 15 minutes and call Miss Holloway, will you? Tell her to expect us. I'm on my way. 
Miss Holloway, when I was here before, why didn't you tell me that Stella was here too? The presence of our guests is confidential. Please take us to her at once. She's no longer here. I but, uh, sent her away when Dr. Scott called to say you'd be here. But why? She was the happiest person in the world when I told her she might return to Windward House. Windward House? But her grandfather sent her here to keep her away from Windward House. She loves it so. You knew we'd be away and you sent her there? Mary will be there. Oh, you hate Stella. You sent her to her death. Mary is waiting for Stella. You're insane. Hurry, Pam. It may be too late even now. drove headlong through the rain, racing the train to Windward House. We arrived in the early hours of the morning. The house was dark. We were on time. Stella hadn't arrived yet. And then, from the inside of the house... It's Stella! The front door flew open and Stella ran out, screaming fearfully, running to the cliffs. Stella! Come back! Something she'd seen or heard or felt in that horribly sick house of ours was sending her screaming in the darkness toward the windy cliffs. I ran after her, but she was very young and lithe and driven by fear and drawn by demons, and I overtook her slowly, oh, so very slowly, as in a terrible nightmare. And at the very brink of the cliffs, I dove for her and flung her to the ground, the very brink of death, the very edge of darkness. Stella, you'll be fine. Dr. Scott, Rick, why would my own mother want to drive me to my death? Darling, whatever drove you from this house couldn't have been your mother. But it was. I, I saw her. It was a kind of a mist that glowed softly in the dark, coming toward me, just as my father painted her. And why did you run away? I, I don't know. Something terrified me, drew me to the cliff. Um... Uh, could the company endure one more excerpt from the case book of Dr. Rudd? It's rather worthwhile. You've the air of a man with knowledge, Scott. <laughs> this entry is dated a little more than three years before the final tragedy on the cliff. Meredith consultation, my office. Mrs. Meredith afraid she is going to have a child. Assured her she was not. A strange, cold, loveless woman refusing motherhood. But... Meredith, poor man... Wanting a child so desperately. But there's Stella. Now, listen. An extraordinary household. Carmel, the Spanish girl, worships Meredith. Lovely, pitiful creature. All love and womanhood. Pitiful? What does it all mean? I, I don't understand. Stella, where were you born? In Paris. Where they took Carmel. They came back with their baby, or, or at any rate, someone's baby. Rick. The men of the state in Paris for a baby to be born, yes. But I think to Carmel, not Mary. They took the baby as their own to avoid a scandal. That's why Carmel came back, to be near her baby, near Stella. Then it was Mary Meredith who hated Stella, her rival's child. Mary Meredith, who tried to throw the baby from the cliff and fell to her death. And that's what Carmel waited here to tell me all these years. That she was my mother, not Mary Meredith. I'm Carmel's daughter. Rick, the mimosa. She's here. Oh, mother, mother, never weep again, because now I know. Never cry again in this house where, where father loved you. Carmel, mother. 
She's happy. Mother's happy. She's at peace at last. Rick! Rick, look! That's the mist I saw. Mary, Meredith, Dr. Scott, Pamela, get Stella out of here. I was alone. Alone with the thing that drifted and floated in menacing, gesturing filaments in the open French doors. A luminous mist becoming a face that undulated horribly. A face filled with hatred and malevolence. And I lifted the candelabrum with its flickering, guttering candles. Come on, you icy fraud. If it's Stella you want, you're too late, Mary Meredith. You've tried enough to destroy Carmel's child. So much for the legend of your saintliness. And you can go along with it. Here, darling. Are you all right? All right. I am magnificent. It's so dark, darling. Never brighter. Mary Meredith. Gone forever. And I always thought she was my mother. What? Good saints preserve me from ghosties and ghoulies and long-legged beasties and a future mother-in-law like that. Here again is tonight's star, Ray Milland. Thank you. The film version of The Uninvited was distinguished by ghosts, gasps, moans, groans, and a very brilliant gent named Lewis Allen. Lou directed the picture, furnishing the assorted horrors out of his bag of tricks. Since then, we've done three other films together, and his amazing know-how still has me fascinated. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet him. My director, Lewis Allen. But I hardly think I deserve those compliments. Why not? Well, The Uninvited was the first picture I ever directed. But, Lou, you'd been directing stage plays for years. But when I sat behind those cameras for the first time, I was as scared as the audiences who saw the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you feel about cameras after all the pictures you've made since then? They still scare me. You know what? What? It scare me, too. <laughs> well, at least we weren't scared of the ghosts and the uninvited. Well, you know, Lou, you made everything so real for a while, I almost believed in them myself. But, Ray, there's no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> Lou? Yes, Ray? What did you just say about ghosts? I'd rather not talk about it. Good night, Ray. Good night, Lou. Good night, everyone. And good night to you, Ray Milland and Lewis Allen. The Uninvited was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is the William Wyler production, The Heiress, starring Olivia de Havilland, Montgomery Clift, and Ralph Richardson. Ray Milland will soon be seen in the Paramount picture, Copper Canyon. Lewis Allen's current production for Paramount is Chicago Deadline. 
Included in tonight's cast were Alma Lawton as Stella, Norman Field, Mary Shipp, John Daner, Georgia Backus, June Foray, and Dan Riss. The Uninvited was adapted for radio by Milton Geiger, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Riley, with dramatic direction by Bill Carn. Portions of the program were transcribed. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking, inviting you to listen again at the same time next week. Screen Director's Assignment, Production, The Trouble with Women, Director, Sidney Lanfield, Star, Ray Milan. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a comedy with an apology to psychology, The Trouble with Women, starring Ray Milland and introducing the director of the film, Sidney Lanfield. It was in the days when vaudeville was bright and shining that a soft-spoken young comedian happened to be performing in Hollywood. It also happened that the film studio at the time was looking for a clever new comedy writer. The comedian got the job, and that's how our guest screen director tonight was ushered into motion pictures. He stayed to become one of Hollywood's most skilled directors, the creator of such fun-filled entertainment as My Favorite Blonde, Standing Room Only, and The Well-Groomed Bride. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of The Trouble with Women, Mr. Sidney Landfield. Thank you. After an introduction like that, I think I should mention that a comedy is only as amusing as its story and its cast. As for the director, well, he just puts those two things together. In the case of The Trouble with Women, it was a particular pleasure both because of my great admiration for Ray Milland and because of the story itself, which presents a completely cockeyed approach to romance. Now, here it is, The Trouble with Women, starring Ray Milland in his original role of Professor Gilbert Sedley with Mary Jane Croft as Kate Farrell. I'm from the Morning Journal, Professor Sedley. How about a statement on your new book? Yeah, you beating up any women lately? Sorry, no statement. Oh, have a heart. We're only reporters. If you people are from the press, Professor Mila and myself can give you nothing but sympathy. Perfectly correct, Gilbert. You people have distorted my fiancé's views, made him a laughingstock. Oh, Martha Motherly is the only one who's been writing all those stories. We're on the level. Professor Sedley, just a word about your new book, The Subjugation of Women. If you read it, you'll find my entire theory stated there. We don't read, Professor. Just make a statement. That, that's all we ask. Very well. As professor of psychology at Midwest University, I have proved conclusively that the human female harbors an unconscious desire to be dominated and occasionally beaten by the human male. Wow, that's it. That's the stuff. How about it, Professor Mueller? How does it feel to be engaged to the man who says women should be beaten? Our engagement concerns only Professor Sedley and myself. Hey, Sedley, I got a purely scientific question. What is it? You gonna beat your fiancé with your bare hands or are you gonna use a stick? Professor Sedley, 
This, this is unbearable. Dr. Dawson. My position as president of the university. What will the board of regents say? Is something wrong? Wrong? Have you read Martha Motherly's column? No. Here, read it. Hasn't been for two weeks since Professor Gilbert Sadley of Midwest University published his book, The Subjugation of Women. But already, 14 cases of wife-beating have been reported and local hospitals have administered treatment to five husbands. Oh, but this is adolescent. It, it, it's asinine. It's malicious. Sadly, she also says that you dabble in hypnotism. Dabble? Mm. Dr. Dawson, Martha Motherly has gone too far. Exactly. Sadly, you're going to sue. You're going to sue the Morning Journal and Martha Motherly. Great story, great. Kate Farrell, you're the best Martha Motherly this paper ever had. Oh, Joe, don't you think we're being kind of hard on him? Yeah, yeah, and keep it up. City desk, Joe McBride. Oh, hello, boss. What? He is? How much? Okay, okay, I'm your city editor, ain't I? I'll think of something. A fine reporter you are. Screwball Sedley suing the Morning Journal and Martha Motherly for 300 grand. That's to me. I'm Martha Motherly. Say, say, I got an idea. Maybe you can do a prison story. I was a woman convict. <laughs> Joe McBride, you told me to write that story. A story, not a libel well, suit. Well, what's libelous about that article? Three misquotations, four unproved statements, 57 damaging innuendos. Well, maybe something's wrong with my typewriter. Kate, I've got an angle. If I get you out of this mess, will you marry me? Just come and see me on visiting days. What's your idea? Look... We said that Sedley likes to hit women. He objects? Okay, all we have to do is prove he does like to hit women. Katie, you're just the type. No, Joe! Now, kitten, how hard can a professor hit? Well, he wouldn't hit a total stranger. So you get to know him. And what's the easiest way to get to know a professor? Now, wait a minute. You're going back to school, Katie. Joe, I can't be a college girl again. So what's a college girl? A pair of bobby socks with glasses. You really think it'd work? You're a cinch. Now get going, Martha Motherly, and don't come back without bruises. Now, Miss Farrell, if you'll sit down. Thank you, Professor. Oh, what a charming study. Miss Farrell, I've become highly interested in you during the past few days. Why, Professor... I am referring, Miss Farrell, to your attitude in class. Oh. For some reason, you bring every discussion around to the question, would I hit a woman? Well, would you? Under certain circumstances, yes. Why? Well, it's just that I've wondered what a man like you would think of my own problem. And what is your problem, Miss Farrell? I like to slug men. Indeed. <laughs> yes, right in the kisser. If I hit you, Professor, would you hit back? I would, yes. Now, isn't that nice? Miss mm. Farrell, I must say that with your, uh... Uh, your, uh... Well, I never quite conceived you as the, uh... The slugging type. Oh, yes, I do it very well. Yes. Uh, hmm. That, that perfume you're wearing, Miss Farrell, what is it? Jasmine. Jasmine. Jasmine, I mean, come in! <laughs> Miss Farrell. I was just leaving, Professor Miller. Oh, hello, Agnes. Uh, good afternoon, Miss Farrell. Goodbye, Professor Sedley. Well, Gilbert. An extremely interesting case, Agnes. She slugs men. Really? Gilbert, I've been watching you and that young woman. 
Yes, I enjoy watching her myself. <laughs> As an intelligent person, I flatter myself I'm above jealousy. But for your own sake, are you sure your interest in Miss Farrell isn't more than professional? Why, why, yes. Yes, that explains it. Oh, how perceptive you are, Agnes. You must fight this, Gilbert. You must devote all your energies to your current studies on hypnotism. Strange I didn't realize it myself. I have a curious feeling in her presence. I find I breathe harder. The customary animalistic reactions. Oh, Agnes, what a wonderful opportunity to study my own reactions. A highly civilized man's temporary lapse into the primitive. I'll take notes on myself, Agnes. Yes, I'll take notes. Desk, please. Hello, Joe. Kate Farrell. Me, Martha Motherly. Yeah, well, it's all set. He'll probably hit me tomorrow afternoon. No, no, I promise not to duck. Just have Herman bring his camera and hide in the bushes next to the administration building, and I'll do the rest. No, Joe McBride, I don't want to marry you. I wouldn't marry anybody who would send me out to be beaten up by another man. Oh, once we're married, you'll take care of those intimate little things. <laughs> Goodbye. Isn't it a lovely day, Professor? Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, do you have a pencil, Miss Farrell? Oh, yes, certainly. Right here. Thank you. What are you writing in that little book? That I wish you'd call me Gilbert. Well, uh, couldn't you just tell me? Well, you'll have to forgive me, Kate, if I'm engrossed in my own reactions. Oh, of course. Gilbert. Gilbert. I'll write that down. Well, here we are, Professor. Is, the, is this the bench you had in mind for our little chat? What's wrong with this bench? Why, nothing. Lovely view of the administration building. Very peaceful on such a fine day. It's a dreary day. But before, you said it was lovely. Just because you think it's a nice day, must I think it's a nice day? Now, steady, Miss Farrell. Your temper You it... leave my temper out of this. But we must face reality, Miss Farrell. You dare use that word to me. You dare. Oh, you struck me. Miss Farrell, defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Sedley, you're fierce. Quick, go ahead, hit me. Oh, well, good afternoon, Dr. Dawson. Professor Sedley. You were about to strike this woman. Well, it's a wonderful afternoon for swinging your arms. Yes, indeed. Oh, really, Dr. Dawson, it was my fault. I... Professor Sedley, I must warn you about your conduct. I, I, I'm quite perturbed. Good day. Good day, Dr. Dawson. Amazing. What is? I even like you when you lose your temper. Kate, may I borrow your pencil again? <laughs> Come in. Gilbert. Oh, hello, Agnes. Gilbert, I'm worried about you. That absurd infatuation, is it any better? No. No, it's worse. Much worse. Agnes, I'd, I'd like your opinion on these notes. I've been trying free thought analysis. And what are your conclusions? Well, they're a little frightening. I've just been sitting here thinking, and this is what I've written down. Kate Farrell, pink champagne. Agnes Miele, warm beer. Oh! <laughs> You beast! 
Oh, you struck me. Agnes Miller, defend yourself. <laughs> Professor Sedley. Why, Dr. Dawson. Professor Sedley. The next time I find you indulging in your morbid practice of striking women, it will be my duty to inform the Board of Regents. Good day. Hey, Kate! Oh, Herman! What are you doing here on the campus? Joe sent me. He wants you and me to do a story on Rita LeMay, the fan dancer over at the Gaiety. Well, what about... She's suing for divorce. She says her husband tore her clothes off. <laughs> Guess he couldn't afford a ticket. <laughs> oh, boy, this is one job I'm going to enjoy photographing. Fan dancing. Oh, you can't say you don't get variety working on the morning journal. I'm sorry I ever started working for the morning journal. Kate. Uh, oh, Gilbert. Hello. Kate, did I understand you to say you were working for the Morning Journal? Oh, well, yes. You see, uh, I've taken a part-time job there. But, Kate, you'd work under the same roof with Martha Motherly? Well, it's for my thesis. I thought you'd like me to do it on the journalistic mind. I'm getting material at the journal. Oh, how courageous of you, Kate. Uh, oh, Professor Sedley, this is Herman Lupin, a uh, photographer. Hi, Professor. How do you do? I'm covering a story interviewing a showgirl, and her, uh, Mr. Lupin will take pictures. Well, perhaps I should go with you, Kate. You might need my guidance. Oh, no, Gilbert, you can't do that. Oh, sure he can. Why not? Uh, you, you wait here. I gotta go make a phone call. City desk, McBride. How are you, Herman? No, he is? Well, stick with Sedley. Hold on to him. I'll figure something out. Yeah. So long. Sometimes I wonder why I don't hate myself. Danny Giga, please. Hello, Danny. McBride, Morning Journal. How'd you like some publicity for the Gaiety Theater? You would? Good. Now listen to me and I'll splash the Gaiety, Rita LeMay, and Professor Sedley all over page one. listening to the Hollywood Screen Director's presentation of The Trouble with Women, starring Ray Land and introducing the director of the film, Sidney Landfield. Welcome to the backstage gaiety. Danny Giger's the name. Just step into the little lady's dressing room. Hiya, Danny. Hi, uh, folks. This is Rita LeMay. Hi, I'm Hyman, photographer, and this here is Kate Farrell, reporter, and her friend, Professor Sedley. How do you do? How do you do? The pleasure's mine, honey. Uh, uh, Herman, uh, you come with me, eh? Oh, Professor, be sure and stay for the next number. It'll kill you. Hey, come on, Herman. Hey, Professor, we got something in common. We have? Mr. Prockley, my second husband, he taught in college. Did he? Yeah, the Kensington Barber College. <laughs> Not that you're like Mr. Prockley. What a stinker. 
<laughs> Rita, about Mr. Frisbee, your current husband, didn't you charge that he tore off your clothes? Mr. Frisbee behaved like a beast. <laughs> Kate, don't you imagine the newspaper readers would be interested in the psychology of a fan dancer? Oh, no, Gilbert, I don't... Yeah, yeah, it might be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Miss LeMay... Why did you become a fan dance instead of, oh, let's say, a stenographer? Don't you mention no steno to me. Mr. Frisbee had a stenographer, and what those two... You... No, no, never mind, never mind. Uh, <laughs> what I'm getting at is simply this. Uh, in wearing your scanty costume publicly, Miss LeMay, uh, do you gratify any tendency towards exhibitionism? Gilbert. Listen, you slob. <laughs> I'm a respectable woman. I cook, I knit, I crochet. I've been a good wife five times. Uh, hey, Professor, uh, come on, take a gander at the next act. Very well, it's uh, rather warm in here. Well, you go ahead, Gilbert. I want to speak to Miss LeMay alone. What a joke. Now, you stand right here, Professor, in the wings. I'll be right back. Uh, thank you, Mr. Giger. Okay, girls, there he is, the guy who likes to sock women. Now, you know what you have to do when you go on the stage. Oh, yeah, I know. All right. Oh, Professor. Uh, yes? Hey, come here a minute, will you? Okay, girls, you're on. Take him away. No, madam. Wait, ladies. Stop. Unhand me, girls. Don't take me out there. Let me off. Oh, I'm on the stage. All right, just hold it. Goodness. Look at that picture. Look at that picture. Ain't it a Lulu? Oh, Joe, you're not going to print it. Katie, don't you realize what this photograph means? It means you're playing a filthy trick on a decent guy who wouldn't hurt anybody. What do you call that libel suit? Take it or leave it? Sedley's on his way over now. We got him on the spot, Katie. Joe, don't you think we have it coming to us? Have it come... Have you fallen for this guy? Of course not. Hey, Joe, here comes Sedley. Gilbert. Hello, Kate. And I suppose you are McBride? Yeah, that's right. Let me present you with this picture of yourself. Very tasty. Gilbert, if I'd realized that I you... know, Kate. Would you rather I didn't publish it, Sedley? I suppose you're going to offer to suppress this picture if I withdraw my libel suit against the paper. Bright boy. McBride, I have an overwhelming desire to punch your nose. Yeah? Go ahead and try it. I will. You're wonderful. You knocked him out. No, if I can only find Martha Motherly, I'll do the same to her. Yeah, well, come on. Let's get out of here, Gilbert. You're right, Kate. I've had just about as much of this place as I can stand. Hey, hey, Joe. Joe, you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Hand the phone down here. <laughs> yeah, here. Here you are, Joe. Hello. Give me the composing room. Hello, Al. Yank out that beauty contest picture on the front page. That's right, we're running the picture of Professor Sedley instead. This is where I live, Gilbert. It was very sweet of you to take me home. Oh, I, I like taking you home. I'll write that down. Are you writing in that silly book again? Oh, uh, well, it's just that I had an urge to kiss you. It's unthinkable, of course. Of course. Temperamentally, we're oceans apart. Well, uh, 
We're pretty close physically. Well, I, I must be completely honest with you, Kate. My feeling for you... Yes, Gilbert. Well, very likely it's, it's essentially chemical, like, like what the deer feels for the doe or the gander for the goose. Well, is that bad? Uh, Do you want to kiss me? Yes. I'll write that in the book. Uh, <laughs> throw the book away, Professor. We're going to write a new one, starting now. Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes, Agnes? I believe I've found the cure for your infatuation. Oh, it's hopeless. Quite hopeless. Might as well face it. This book may change your mind. Why, it, why it's the Bryce College Alumni Annual. And here's Kate's picture. Catherine Farrell, now reporter for the Midwest City Morning Journal. You see? But Agnes, she told me all about her connection with the newspaper. This annual, Gilbert, was published three years ago. That's impossible. Look at the date. I've had the journalism department check on Miss Farrell. She happens to use the pen name of Martha Motherly. You mean Kate? Kate was responsible for those articles? Oh, no! Professor Sedley, you've gone too far. Dr. Dawson, what... Look at this picture in the morning journal. Gilbert, you were no shameless women. How could you? Oh, what difference does it make now? What difference does it make? Professor Sedley, I'm calling an immediate meeting of the Board of Regents. You would be wise to prepare your resignation. Joe, how could you do it? How could you print that picture? Oh, Katie, it was news, wasn't it? News? I'm quitting. If that's news, I'm through. Now, Katie... And on top of everything else, the poor guy found out that I'm Martha Motherly. Now he won't even speak to me. Listen, kitten, I'm human. I can be jealous. Sedley got my goat. Now, Katie, look, I love you. Marry me, kitten. Marry me, I'll do anything you want. Anything would be a human being instead of an animated typewriter. I'll give it up. I'll quit honest newspaper business. I'll take a publicity job. <laughs> Katie... I'll be the best husband you ever saw. Oh, Joe, do you really think we'd be happy together? Together? I don't know. It's a part I'm worried about. <laughs> I'll write my resignation right now. Just watch me, kid. City desk. Oh, hello, Sedley. Now, wait a minute. Don't get sore at me. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's too bad. Now, look, sue anybody you want. I'm not even working here anymore. I'm leaving. I'm getting married to Kate. Kate Farrell. That's right, married. Sedley. Sedley. Funny, he hung up. Joe, you shouldn't have told him that. Well, I was excited. But it isn't true. Look, I'll show you what kind of a husband you're getting. Sedley said the Board of Regents is fixing to bounce him because of that picture. Why don't you go down and straighten it all out, huh? You'll feel better then, and then we can talk about us. Mr. Sedley? Yes, Dr. Dawson? It's my privilege to inform you that the Board of Regents has refused your resignation. They have? Miss Farrell, that Martha Motherly girl, she told us the whole story, blamed herself for everything. You mean Kate defended me? In glowing terms, Sedley. She spoke very highly of you. Well, would you say that, that she seemed fond of me? I would say that, yes. A fine girl, Sedley, a fine girl. If I were you... Yes, Dr. Dawson? Think it over, Sedley. Mm. 
That Agnes Miller somehow reminds me of uh, warm beer. <laughs> good afternoon, Dr. Dawson. Uh, good afternoon, Professor Beerler, uh, Miller. <laughs> Gilbert, you'll be remaining at the university. So it appears. How wonderful. I'm doing research in one of your own specialties. Hypnosis and its bearing on emotion. Oh, very interesting subject. Gilbert, do you think that hypnosis can cause a person to reveal his true emotion? Love, for instance? Yes, but only true emotion. For instance, they wouldn't lie about... Hypnosis? Yes, Gilbert. That's it, hypnosis! Exactly what I'm talking about. That's how I'll find out about her. About who, Gilbert? Miss Farrell. But, Gilbert, she's just a... a body without a mind. And you, Agnes, are a mind without a... Uh, hand me that phone! <laughs> My attorney, I want him to get that lawsuit of mine into court as soon as possible. Your Honor, my client, Professor Sedley, wishes to make a statement. Proceed. Your Honor, Martha Motherly, in one of her articles, alleged that I'm a dabbler in hypnotism. I should like to prove to the court that I'm not a dabbler, but a professional. Proceed. I shall do this by hypnosis in this very courtroom. Objection. Your Honor, this demonstration is pertinent to our case. Proceed. <laughs> to set the defense at ease, Your Honor, I should like to perform the experiment on one of the defendants, Miss Catherine Farrell. Well, in that case, we're willing to cooperate. Miss Farrell, please. Now, Miss Farrell, I want you to follow my instructions. Yes, Gilbert. I suggest that you observe this very closely, Your Honor. Proceed. Kate, just watch my eyes and try to relax. Steadily. Steadily. Your sight is growing dim. Dim. Your sight is growing dim. Now, Miss Farrell, you were asleep. But you hear what I say, don't you? I hear what you say. You don't love McBride, do you? I don't love McBride. You won't marry McBride. I won't marry McBride. You love me, don't you? I love you. Repeat after me. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. You'll marry me, won't you? Well, it's about time you ask me. <laughs> of course I'll marry you, darling. But, Kate, weren't you hypnotized? Not for a second. Then, then why did you say I love you? Because I do. But what about McBride? Oh, I never really said I'd marry him. Besides, you could never leave the paper. Look at him. He's already writing the story. What a headline, Katie. Svengali courts, girl in courtroom. Oh, come on, Kate. Let's get away somewhere. Your Honor, this concludes my demonstration in hypnosis. With your permission, Your Honor... I love you, Gilbert. <laughs> Your Honor! <laughs> I'll marry you, Gilbert. No, no. Thanks, Judge. I already have a girl. Gilbert, Gilbert I, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Our guests will return in just a moment. And now, here again is tonight's star, Ray Milland and screen director, Sidney Landfield. 
Ted, now that we've finished The Trouble with Women, I've got a great idea for a sequel picture. Sequel to The Trouble with Women? Sure, we'll call it The Trouble with Screen Directors. Ray, there just isn't enough film in Hollywood to make that picture. <laughs> well, it's a comedy about a screen director who finds himself on a radio show, and you are a natural for the part. You mean it's going to be a picture about what happens when I get in front of a microphone? Exactly. That isn't comedy, Ray. That's tragedy. <laughs> you mean you're really afraid of a little old microphone after all the people you've taught how to act? You want a one-word answer? I do. Yes. Well, in that case, I'll teach you the three magic words of radio. Once you know those words, Sid, you won't have to be nervous anymore. Now listen. Just those three words? That's right. Now, go ahead and try them. Okay, I will. Good night, everyone. <laughs> good night, folks. And good night to you, Ray Milan and Sidney Landfield. The Trouble with Women was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is Bride of Vengeance, starring Paulette Goddard, John Lund, and McDonald Carey. Ray Milan is currently being seen in the Paramount picture alias Nick Beale, and can currently be heard on The Family Hour of Stars. Sidney Landfield's forthcoming release is the Paramount picture Sorrowful Jones, starring Bob Hope and Lucille Ball. Included in tonight's cast were Mary Jane Croft, Frank Lovejoy, Sarah Jane Wells, Florence Hallop, Griff Barnett, Herb Vigran, Bob Bruce, Ralph Moody, and Dan Riss. The Trouble with Women was adapted for radio by Richard Allen Simmons, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Production was under the supervision of Howard Wiley, associate producer Bill Karn. Your announcer has been Frank Barton. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R I L E Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.